Hello, everybody. Ron here. Welcome to the Starting with Scripture podcast. This particular podcast episode is entitled Thanksgiving and Giving Thanks. I like to start with some Thanksgiving jokes. The first one is, why didn't the cook season the Thanksgiving turkey? There was no time. That's T-H-Y-M-E. Why did the farmer have to separate the chicken and the turkey? He sensed foul play. F-O-W-L. What happened to the turkey that got in a fight? He got the stuffing knocked out of him. Now, some of these jokes were bad, and maybe some of y'all think all of them were bad. They do, however, illustrate a point. When most Americans think of the Thanksgiving holiday nowadays, they think of something else besides giving thanks. For me, I was raised in an atheist household, and when I was growing up, I associated Thanksgiving with eating too much food and the Detroit Lions losing yet another football game. Back then, the Lions played every Thanksgiving, and it was their job to lose games in their division, or so it seemed. The truth is that the Thanksgiving holiday has become very secular in the U.S. It wasn't always that way, however. One doesn't have to go all the way back to the first Thanksgiving to notice that the holiday has changed. On October 3rd, 1789, George Washington issued a Thanksgiving proclamation. In his proclamation, he set aside Thursday, the 26th of November, as a day to offer, quote, prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, end quote. George Washington was the first president of our Constitutional Republic. He wasn't the only president to make such a proclamation. October 3rd, 1863, Abraham Lincoln, who was the first Republican president in the U.S., made a Thanksgiving proclamation as well. Lincoln's proclamation set aside, quote, a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens, end quote. 1933, 70 years later, FDR, that is Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said in his Thanksgiving proclamation, quote, May we on that day, in our churches and in our homes, give humble thanks for the blessings bestowed upon us during this past year by Almighty God. End quote. We've come pretty far in this country, haven't we? We've gotten away from our historical, spiritual, and religious roots. In the U.S., we have largely divorced the practice of giving thanks to the Lord 
from the holiday of Thanksgiving. While I am certainly concerned about changes that have occurred in the United States in terms of uh, shifting spirituality and shifting focus on Christianity, I'm much more concerned about the spiritual well-being of the church. The praises that we give in church today are part of a rich history of God's people giving thanks to Him. This history goes all the way back to the ancient Israelites. Many of the psalms written in ancient Israel are called psalms of thanksgiving. They're classified that way. There's a group of them. And one of those psalms, Psalm 100, is the main text for this lesson. I'll be reading Psalm 100 from the New Revised Standard Version, or NRSV. It reads, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. As I mentioned earlier, Psalm 100 is one of the group of psalms known as Psalms of Thanksgiving. In ancient times, it was sometimes sung somewhat like we sing songs today in uh, church congregations. In ancient Israel, this psalm was also a call to worship Yahweh as the king who provides for all his people. Not only was it a call to worship, but it also taught about the theology of worship and how to worship. You see, worship is not meant to be something passive. This psalm is actually a call to active, intentional worship and thanksgiving. I'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Psalm 100 is full of active commandments. In verse 1, we have, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Verse 2 again, come into his presence with singing. Verse 3, know that he is God. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Verse 4, again, give thanks to him. 
bless his name. There are actually seven commandments in this psalm. In biblical Hebrew, the number seven represents perfection. Together, these seven commandments are perfect, complete counsel on the subject matter. And as it happens, these seven commandments are all in the plural. That is to say, uh, you here means all y'all. These commandments require an active, intentional response. Even the fourth one, know that he is God, is active. To us in English, it might seem to be just a passive sort of thing uh, wherein we just acknowledge God mentally. Uh, but it's, it's actually more active than that in the original language and the original context. So thanksgiving is part of worship. Thanksgiving is part of the attitude of worship. Giving thanks is also part of worshiping God. Thanksgiving and giving thanks are both part of worshiping God, and they have nothing to do with turkey. You'll notice if you've read it, that Psalm 100 has five verses. There isn't a sixth verse that says, do all these things if you feel like it, and if they be convenient. The commandments in this psalm call for active participation, whether we feel like it or not. Imagine you've got sick people, things aren't going well, dying people, that is, people, uh, family or friends. You've got spiritually off-track people, and you're not sure you can pay all your bills. Finances are tough. Not sure you can buy groceries, or even if anyone cares about you. Now, some people who will hear this podcast episode don't have to imagine those things. Can you give thanks in circumstances like these when things aren't going well? Now, how about uh, a somewhat opposite scenario? Imagine you have $10 million in the bank and you earn five hundred dollars per year. You retired, uh, that's 500000 You retired at the age of 42. Your whole family is well, and all are Christians, and everybody's spiritually on track. You've got widescreen TVs mounted on every wall with access to all the sports channels. You can watch the NFL, NBA, MLB, NCAA, and NASCAR anytime you want. You've got two brand new pickup trucks or whatever vehicle you want parked in the driveway. Fresh-made pizzas, steak, chicken, and pecan pies, and... Genuine sweet tea are all delivered daily. Would you feel thanksgiving in your heart and give thanks in these circumstances? A lot of us probably think that we'd be thankful to God in these circumstances when all's well and everything's great. Would we, though? 
I think human nature and scripture might say otherwise. It, of course, depends on the per person. But think about Exodus. The Israelites were freed from slavery, literally freed from slavery and oppression. And yet they complained. The Lord gave them manna to eat. And they still complained. The Lord gave them quail, and they still complained. If they had been practicing thanksgiving instead of complaining, perhaps their trip to the promised land would have been two weeks instead of the 40 years that it took while they were wandering around complaining. You see, I believe that worship, thanksgiving, praise, and giving thanks are spiritual disciplines. They don't come automatically. We need to practice these things whether we feel like it or not. We need to practice these things whether life is good or bad. Psalm 100 isn't just some Old Testament stuff from thousands of years ago that's interesting to read. It's actually connected to Christ. It's connected directly to Christ. Psalm 100, as I mentioned before, the word that we translate as Lord is actually Yahweh in the Hebrew. Yahweh is a divine name. It's uh, something that ancient Israelites and probably modern practices of Judaism won't even utter. They won't even say it. In Matthew 7, Jesus connects himself to the divine name. Matthew 7.21 reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That two-word expression there, Lord, Lord, is a euphemism or a substitution for Yahweh. You see, the uh, Old Testament was translated into Greek after Alexander the Great conquered the area, and people uh, who spoke Hebrew lost the ability to understand it, so it had to be translated into Greek, which became the common language there. So when Jesus is saying, Lord, Lord, it's the same as if he's referring to himself as Yahweh. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22, on that day, referring to judgment day here, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Again, he refers to himself as Lord, Lord. Same designation as Yahweh. Additionally, in Psalm 100, verse 3, we are called God's sheep. There's a sheep-shepherd imagery here. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. So you see, Psalm 100 is very closely connected to Christ, very closely connected to Jesus of the New Testament. So before I end this podcast episode, I have some 
challenge questions, a couple of them really. Are you individually expressing thanksgiving to God in a disciplined sort of way? Meaning, do, do you do it whether you feel like it or not? Do you do it whether life is going well or not well? And then likewise, does your congregation regularly give thanks to God? It's a part of the practice of worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.